I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ruthie, if at any point we're thinking of uh, moving in a new direction on the podcast, just to freshen it up a wee bit, because this is the 68th that we've done. The 68th. That's so many. It's so many. If 68, 68 weeks. 68. Now, if you're looking to uh, freshen like it up. a full-grown baby. It is. If you're looking to freshen up at any point, uh, the direction we want to move in is true crime. I see that these mm. podcasts that do true crime do really, really well. Uh, there's one here. It says a British-born millionaire who'd been on the run for more than four years after being accused of murdering his wife in California has been found in Mexico with the help of a podcast. So this podcast has actually gone out and found this murderer. So that's what I want you to be doing from now on. True crime. To, co- to concentrate. On, no, but we want you to actually be out there finding murderers. Could yeah, you do that for me? I know you've got a university course coming up, but if you could do that. No, I was going to say something about true crime, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is, what's the word? Not coincidental. Like apt. This is What's oh, that? I know fortuitous. Fortuitous. It's, it's this is fortuitous. I was listening to a podcast, another podcast, not this podcast. Although, why would you listen to any others, eh? Mm. And I was listening to this podcast called Beautiful Anonymous. I've told you about it, where he does the phone calls with people who ring in. Mm. It's really very good. And I was listening to this one episode about uh, this girl's family, and it was like a true crime thing, you know, all, all mental stories mm. and crazy stuff. And then there was a another story about a girl who had uh, her friend had rung in and told this crazy like quite true crimey type story and then the other friend rang into the show just like by coincidence and they were talking about it and um they start talking about whether actually true crime is like morally okay like should we be telling these stories and should that we be making like an entertainment mm. Like an, enter- like an entertainment mm. category out of these true crime stories and so I was looking at it and quite some of these stories are people who are dead or the the stories have kind of been told the research has been done like the investigation the proper investigation has been done so it's kind of okay I think but some of them are kind of preying on sort of families who don't really have anything and sort of I think they are kind of unfair and I think it's one of the things we might have to start questioning whether we should be making careers out of like true crime podcasting or there's like all these YouTube channels where there's no not really any thorough investigation it's just like oh my god this is the most mental story you've ever seen look what this guy did and look what this guy did and there's no 
There's no... I don't think I'm going to stop it because the, even years ago, there were magazines, true crime magazines. Mm. They proliferated. There were loads of them in America. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood scandal magazines, all that sort of thing. So people have always been fascinated. Yeah, I just area. think kind of... It, like if you So like Serial, is that what it was called? Serial Yeah, yeah. so called, Serial, yeah. that was a proper intellectual podcast and it was well done and it was detailed and mm. there was clear thorough investigations but what some people are doing now especially on these youtube channels is they've just read a story online and they'll just retell the story with no no research no research no, no sort of moral mm. standings in terms of the family or the people who are involved they'll just be like look how crazy this guy is and look this is the craziest story you'll ever hear and this person was pregnant and this one committed yeah. a crime and this one ran away and it's just that's well, not what true crime should be. No, that's what we want to do. The one where you don't have to do any research. Yeah. <laughs> like, just well, re- a lot of them are just clearly like someone's read something on BuzzFeed and it's just retelling That's it. what we want to do. Good. <laughs> that's going to be our new direction. Uh, just while we test the levels, there have been a lot of Boris Johnson jokes. I'm not sure how these are, how good these are. In Edinburgh this year, the Edinburgh Festival's on, and there was a roundup of the best Boris jokes. Somebody said, Boris is like a toddler. He's unpredictable, he's emotional, and you have to keep him away from China. Uh, that was one. This is a joke by uh, Olaf Falafel, who I think we've uh, featured on this uh, Testing the Levels spot before. Uh, he says, you can recreate the coherence of a Boris Johnson speech by getting a chimp to pour porridge into a Dyson Airblade. Uh, I read a good allegory for yeah. um, Brexit. I know there's loads of them. Well, there's millions of them. This is one. It's not funny. No, okay. Just but it, it is. <laughs> well, it's good you told us in advance it wasn't funny. Well, it's not funny. No. Um, but right. it, I thought it was a good. I'll I thought it was maybe one of the best like metaphors for Brexit I'd heard. It's metaphors, isn't it? Not allegories. There's I'm not. There's something in between an allegory and a metaphor. There. We've done this before. No, I know that metaphor. There's so many metaphors for Brexit on Twitter. There's. But I don't think this them. is a metaphor because I think it's it's like the story part of it that makes it. Go on, it's then. um. Can I Google what the word is? Yeah, go on then. So I think it is an allegory, because an allegory is where you do a metaphor, but then it's got a broader message about the real world, whereas a metaphor is just helping you to describe something. So I think it is an allegory. Anyway, it says... I'm not saying there wasn't a democratic mandate for Brexit at the time. I'm just saying, if I narrowly decided to order fish at a restaurant that was known for chicken, but said it was happy to offer fish, and so far I've been waiting three hours, and two chefs who promised to cook the fish had quit, and the third one is promising to deliver the fish in the next five minutes, whether it's cooked or not, are indeed still alive, and all the waiting staff have spent the last few hours arguing amongst themselves about whether I wanted battered cod, grilled salmon, jelly deals, or dolphin kebabs, and if large parts of the restaurant appeared to be on fire, but no one was paying attention to it because they were all arguing about fish, I would quite like, just once, to be asked if I definitely still wanted the fish. I uh, I saw that one. It's it's all over Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was a good one. Let's start. Quite apart from all that, of course, it's A-Level Results Day tomorrow. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, By the time this podcast goes out, probably Thursday morning or Wednesday night, it will be uh, A-Level Results. And you've got your own. You'll be going to your your college to pick them up. I get them online first. They Uh, release at 7am online. mm. And then college opens at 8. The bad news is A-Level Results are, quotes, 48% wrong. Two out of five teenagers who sat 
essay-based A-levels uh, may be awarded the, quote, wrong grade when results come out on Thursday, tomorrow, because of inconsistent marking according to research by the exam regulator Ofqual. The study shows the probability of a candidate not getting the correct grade in subjects such as English and history is between 42% and 48%. What subjects have you taken? I've taken English, history and French. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what they're saying, I presume... It's basically because it's very subjective marking. Mm. And there's no... So with maths, the um, the accuracy of the markings is 95 plus percent mm. correct always because there's not really any two different right answers. No. But when it comes to essay-based subjects the style you write an essay in can't really there's nothing in a mark scheme that can tell you something so like some and you i have read loads of example essays between a and a star and neither are really better it's just like and they always say it's like an ineffable quality but it's not really fair to tell students going into an exam that there's an ineffable quality about essay writing what does ineffable mean like unexplainable inexplicable Inexplicable. See, I've seen the word... That's a word? Yes, ineffable is a word, I know. Uh, I've seen it written down and I've read it in books and things. That was the absolutely Um, correct sentence as well. Oh, it was. I wasn't implying you were wrong. I was just saying that I'd sort of... Ineffable is one of those words that you you read and you know it means... You could call a person ineffable as well. You could Mm. be like, oh... Yeah. He's ineffable or something. But for you, it's it's not too bad because you have uh, you're very fortunate in having an unconditional offer at York University. Yeah, but it's still frustrating because so, like so it costs sixty pounds to get an exam remarked, but to get a review to get an exam remarked. remarked. So they'll send it to another teacher and they'll go over it and see whether they think the marking is right or not. But there's countless countless stories of people whose exam papers have gone up 13 marks to grade boundaries but obviously like some people don't have the money to just send all their papers back to get remarks but it's just not really very fair and it's no but as far as you're concerned you've got an unconditional offer so yeah but you still want to do well yes i know you still want to do well but for some of your friends who haven't got an unconditional offer they're in what you were telling me about one girl who's not been able to sleep yeah, so we had like a bit of like a girls' night last night, and obviously we talked quite a lot about results day because it's only tomorrow. Um, and a lot of them were like, "Yeah, if I get the wrong grades, I really don't know what I'll do." Been planning like clearing offers and like what they'll do if they don't mm. get the grades, and like really, really stressed out because you know you want to go to the university that you've planned to go mm. to. You don't want to have to go to. Do most of them have an alternative plan? You what? have a firm choice uni and an insurance choice, but. If a lot of people's insurance choice, the grades are pretty much the same as their firm. So then you would have to go into clearing and clearing's stressful on its own. Mm. And then if you went to your your second choice uni or whatever, then had your, your exams remarked, you might have been able to go to the one you wanted to in the first place anyway. And when you get to university, it's quite, I would have thought, a stressful time. And you're not getting your your washing and ironing done. I'm not going to iron anything. I'll just... um, No. Is that your big plan, not ironing? I'll iron, like... I can only think about three things that I'll iron. I'm not going to iron T-shirts, like mum does. So you're not going to do much ironing. And I mean, washing stuff, how often do you need to do that, really? About once a week. I think I can go once every two. Obviously, there's that. You're not, and you're not going to be able to just sit down and somebody will bring you a meal on a plate. So you're going to have to do all that. But you're not worried about that. I'm not worried about that because, like, I don't. I I know I don't like cook on full on family meals at home and stuff. But it's not. 
I know that well, some people. Who, yeah, some kind of no, but some people who are going to uni will literally never cook. Like I cook sometimes, mm. and I can do. I mean, your brother, when with the first time he learnt to put the to fill the boiling water just up to the fill point in a pot noodle, he was so excited. That doesn't really stress me out. No, that's not stressing you out. That's fair enough. But you get a freshers' week. And a lot of people, it all goes it all goes south in Freshers' Week because they have mm. too much to drink and all that. But apparently, I'll, I'll just quote you this, and you can tell me if you think this is this is true or not. Students are now more likely to spend Freshers' Week in the library than the Union Bar, according to a new survey. One in six students is teetotal, according to their findings. So if you take six of your friends, do you think one is teetotal? One in six. I think less than one in six. Less than one. So like, what do you mean, like about one in ten or something? I think like, like about one in 15. Right. Really. Well, it says here, this survey says one in six students is teetotal, according to the findings. Their most popular goals are to secure a job that inspires passion and achieves financial stability rather than wealth or fame. You're still in the wealth or fame <laughs> Obviously. Area. No, but I think that's kind of crap. Do you? We're I think people what? go out just as much as they used to. All these surveys mm. are just... Well, about, maybe not quite as much, but people go... What about achieving, go, a, achieving that job? Are you, are you more job-orientated than we were? I should think you probably Yeah, probably, are. only because I think that jobs are more hard to come by now. It's more stressful thinking about what job. Yeah. But then I also do think that 18-year-olds are much the same as 18-year-olds were in, the, in any other time in 2002. Just... Well, I'm just thinking I just don't think that, that young people have changed as much as these surveys make out. Mm. I think it's more tense to be young now. I mean, Oh, yeah, you know, I agree. Financial worries. But I'm just saying that I, I think people still go imagine. out and get yeah. drunk and do silly things as mm. much as they used to. I don't think we're entering well, probably, this new sensible... Well, I think sensible. That, that going out and getting drunk is much more now than it used to be but when how, I was at university, but this definitely. But this is the problem with these surveys. One of these surveys will come out saying, all of a sudden, you know, we're more total than ever, we don't go out as much. And then there'll be another one saying, binge drinking is at an all-time high. Like, you can't have it all the ways. I mean, the main difference is, obviously, there are fees now, which there were yeah. years ago, and we got grants and all that sort of thing. That's the main difference. Um, but the other difference is, well, you know, I certainly can't remember the binge drinking culture. Maybe there was, but I don't remember any binge drinking culture when I was at university. But I that was like, a, say, like I, a long... I just mean, like a long that was ago. a long time ago. I went Anna and David and stuff were at university. There was massive binge drinking culture. That's not like a, a hugely new thing. Not a hugely new thing, but it's probably within the last, say, 20 years or so. Or yeah, but two years. decades is a pretty long time. What I do think Who, is my age there are so many more financial pressures on students these days. And I think that oh, Bre- yeah. Brexit and the arguments over Brexit have exacerbated that. Because what I think is that because you're reading everywhere that the economy is going to shit, basically, you would think, I really, really need a good job and I need to mm. earn, earn, earn lots of and money. And there's this pressure of like... Brexit's definitely exaggerated. Uh, Brexit's exaggerated just because I think we're living in this time of just... It's like catastrophic thinking i think is the mm. whole thing and then also a lot of that is the envi- like environmental issues and, all that and as well, yeah. i think that leads into both some the way that some people would react is to think right i really need to be serious i need to go and get a job this is like you know my time to focus and the flip side of that is reacting by thinking oh well f it none of this matters anyway i'm gonna go out and get really drunk and high and it doesn't matter anymore As you mentioned the uh, environment, Ruth, should we talk a little bit about Flüschkam? 
Yeah, that's my favourite. <laughs> yeah, flugskam. That will not surprise you as a Swedish word. And obviously we uh, know the great Swedish young climate change campaigner uh, Greta Thunberg. She's going to this conference, a UN climate summit in America, and has decided she... Oh, I've, yeah. Yeah, she's not going to fly. I think I told you that she's yeah. not going to fly. I, I was trying to think, did you tell me this on, actually on the podcast, but you didn't. No, we, we, we told you this, because we when, very occasionally talk privately. <laughs> very confused. Wait, well, this wasn't recorded, I'm sorry. No, no, this was something that we, uh, we... Often I stop you if you start talking to me. I say, oh, don't leave your best game here. <laughs> Save it for the podcast. But this was one that we uh, we actually talked about. She's going uh, in a carbon-neutral yacht. This sort of sailing expert is sailing her across the Mm. Atlantic. She's taking, uh, obviously, weeks and weeks to get there. But she's doing that. She's uh, responsible for the proliferation of the word flugskam. It's spelled F-L-Y-G-S-K-A-M. But I'm guessing the Swedish pronunciation would be flusgam. Based on what kind of actual knowledge you're basing the... Based on the number of uh, Ingmar Bergman films I've seen, Mm. uh, including Schmutzenstellet, which means wild strawberries. Uh, The only only I'm not confident that you're predicting that Swedish word correctly, but whatever. I don't think it matters to the story. We'll call it flusgam, which translates as flight shame. In her interview, Thunberg implores readers... Why don't you try to make a difference? Just as well, she didn't put the question to the... Because she's she's on the front of Vogue. You know, yes. um, Meghan Markle put Have all these it, important yeah. people on the front of Vogue. She's on the front of Vogue. Apparently, um, British Vogue's creative director is called Johan Svensson. He's actually in the Vogue thing where Meghan Markle says these people are making a difference. Mm. And he's shown supervising the photo shoot of Greta Thunberg outside the Swedish Parliament. Svensson maybe not taking the Fluskam message quite as clearly as he should, because uh, this is his, he's a Swede, obviously, he commutes by air from Stockholm to the Vogue office in London several times a week. His usual routine involves flying to London on Monday, returning to Stockholm on Tuesday, flying to London again on Wednesday, and then back to Stockholm on Thursday. Mm. So um, I'll tell you what the problem is there. The problem is that and nobody's singing from the same hymn sheet whatever you do to try and save the environment you can look around the corner and somebody else isn't doing something you know i mean you could save your plastic bags or you know whatever and or recycle stuff or compost things and then look at china and see loads of smoke coming out of big chimneys there and I'm, i don't often play stuff by somebody else but sean Locke, who's one of our favorite comedians just a little tiny bit that he did about the environment I really enjoyed touring around the country. One of the things I've been quite interested in asking audiences as I travel around is in different towns and cities is, is about the environmental question. You know, it's about global warming, climate change. Is that something people here, people here in London, is that something you're concerned about? You know? All right, so some quite strong yeses, a few no! no. I'm just interested. I'm interested in why some people care and other people couldn't give a shit. Some people, quite happily, they'd fly to the shops, wouldn't they? If EasyJet did a will fly you to the shops deal. Brilliant, I'm in. Yeah. I can bring back more patio heaters. <laughs> so the cat's nice and warm in the garden. 
What it means you look around and you see other people. You know, you think, why should I have Flugscam when this guy's flying backwards and forwards from the Yeah, Stockholm? no, no, and I agree with that. But you can't really live your life like that. I think that's a stupid way. And it's also the thing of, it is these massive corporations who have fostered this individual guilt because it means that they they can say stop using plastic bags stop taking so many flights stop eating red meat in order to be able to continue the real problem which is huge corporations pumping out massive carbon emissions is it top 10 companies or something account for 70 percent of all carbon emissions like it's something wild like that like ridiculous numbers but you can't say, well, I'm not going to do anything because these massive corporations aren't, because that is just plunging yourself into this despairing way of thinking, which is, it doesn't matter anyway, so why am I going to change anything? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bit of music? Yes, bit of music. Bit of music. Well, should we start with mine? I've yeah. got uh, Doris Troy and Just One Look. with uh, Doris Troy at all. I know that song quite well. Yeah, well, the song's been recorded by loads and loads of people. The Hollies had the uh, the hit song mm. in the UK. Yeah, that was the original, though. She was born Doris Elaine Higginson uh, in the Bronx, uh, the daughter, like a lot of these people, of a Pentecostal uh, minister. She took her, her grandmother's name. She was mainly a backup vocalist and sang alongside Dion and Dee Dee Warwick. The, the, one of the interesting things about Doris Troy is she 
she was uh, sort of adopted by the Beatles, and she was on the she recorded on the Beatles uh, Apple label. Uh, she was another one of those soul stars that was much much bigger in the UK than she ever was in the States. You know, underrated, I think, because you've never heard of the name Doris Troy, even though you know the no, song. Yeah. Which version of the song do you know? The Homage. I think? thought I knew that one. But... Yeah. You might have. No, I thought I. I thought I knew. You that might one. have heard it on my Spotify playlist. Oh uh, my god! Honestly, I had to. I. I'm. It was getting difficult to live with you at the start of the week. Mm-hmm. I. St- I stayed at a friend's house to get away from the constant talking about your Spotify playlist. It's honestly. But was you enjoy. Annoying. You enjoy the songs, though, don't you? You enjoyed Billy Joel and was, um, moving out. It's tiring. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> nonsense so uh, given especially that for the last two years I've been listening to your Spotify playlist every time I get in the car that's not true not for two years and anyway hideous thing today about somebody who can't sleep so they're going to New York by the Wombats Wombats terrible song so what you have you called it ludicrous what have you ludicrous is what it was what have you uh, officially Um, chosen I've got a Bon Iver or Bon Iver I never know I think pretentious people say Bon Iver. Um, <laughs> well, you should be saying Bon Iver. <laughs> so it's Bon Iver, um, and it's a song that is called Naim. I think it's maybe like an Arabic word or something. It's spelled N-A-E-E-M. Can't sit back on where you're forming that. On my mind, our kids got bigger. But I'm climbing down the bastion now. You take me out to pasture now. Well, I won't be angry long. Well, I can't be angry long. We burnt up in my bed. Standing on the mattress off. So tell me about uh, Bon Iver. I assume you've heard of Bon Iver. No. Really? No, never heard of Bon Iver. Oh, my gosh. I've heard of Bon Iver, but I've, no, I've never heard of any really? Bon Iver or Bon Iver, no. Never? Never, oh, ever, right, ever. okay, so then, right. Have you heard of the song Skinny Love? Nope. I can't... I honestly cannot believe you've not heard of... They're really, really famous. So it was started... It was a, a American like, indie folk band founded in 2006 by a guy called Justin Vernon uh, from Wisconsin. And his I've songs... I've heard of Wisconsin. <laughs> that's the first thing you've heard of. Um, so cheese, the hill, it, cheese he's famously... Um, the music is quite sad. It's a lot of, like, kind of what people would listen to if they're breaking up with someone or something like that. Yeah, it was the sound of, like, late 2000s stuff. Uh, they released their first album in 2008-ish, late 2000s, doesn't matter. Uh, it was called For Emma, Forever Ago, um, and he, like, recorded it in the middle of the woods on his own. Like, it was that kind... You can imagine the setting in Wisconsin. Um, and, yeah, it's all... The music is always about uh, sort of heartbreak and things like that. And this is from their new album, which they just released... And do you know what the state capital of Wisconsin is? Um, no, I think I actually do. Um, it's Madison. Madison. Useful fact to know if uh, state capitals ever crop up on Pointless because Madison is usually a good one to go for. I'm glad you took something. I'm glad that I always listen really carefully to what you said and ask relevant questions. And you've just told me what the state capital of Wisconsin is. Clearly not listen to any of the interesting things about Bon Iver. Do you have anything that's particularly yeah. caught? Ah, you do, good. Well, it's not particularly interesting. No, all I meant that's particularly caught your attention. It doesn't have to be interesting. Yeah, this has caught my attention. Facial recognition technology. Oh, yeah. Getting big and stuff. So it if you've is, got an yeah. iPhone 10, you can open it with your face. 
stuff like that. Um, and then the use of the facial recognition technology is like really growing in places like London King's Cross. Um, I know, and I read that. is it chipping away at our already fragile privacy? Is the question that a guy called Luke Dormel, Dormel? Mm, yeah. right, uh, asks in The Guardian. And it's really scary. And then he's also talked I'm about. I'm with him on that. Yeah, I don't like it. Like, as a. It's kind of one of those. Not really know anything about it, but one of those, like, visceral reactions of just, like, hey, I don't want people yeah. knowing what my face looks like. That's weird. Do you know what I mean? Even though I would happily put pictures on Instagram, it's just one mm. of those things where I just, you know where you don't like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, uh, the, he also goes on to say that a number of researchers have noted that facial recognition algorithms can be less accurate when it comes to identifying individuals from certain ethnic groups. This increases the probability of false positives, particularly damaging when the technology is being used for security purposes. So I think this is interesting because police are already unfair to especially black people, but all like minority groups. And if technology is being made by people who are white then it will also be unfair to people from different ethnic groups and i think that's terrifying that we could make technology racist there's a place in china where you can where basically they've got um, qr codes on people's houses and they can the police can just pick them and the faces the people their records you that's know, like something out of a dystopian ta- yeah film. well there is a place in china where it's an experiment and there's this this town in china where they've now made everybody everybody's facially recognized everybody's uh, facts everybody's financial history everybody's everything mm. is uh, you can just scan a qr code yeah. i mean they can do it to an extent with cars i mean it starts off yeah, with, yeah. With, with cars you know if, if a police car's behind you they just don't number plate recognition yeah. yeah and they know exactly whether you're paying who you are and who you yeah. are and uh, what your driving record is but that does frighten me that the, there is no there is no hiding place yeah anymore. and and he his the title of the article is can anyone halt the menacing creep of facial recognition technology and i think the answer is no yeah. i think the answer is no because it's growing all the time mm. do you know they're even introducing facial recognition in bars if you've ever had that oh uh, to ex- ask whether you 18 or 20. No, well, I suppose it can be used for that and probably will be, but um, the whole idea of it is if you've ever had that frustrating experience of standing at the bar and the next somebody else comes in and gets served before you, there's facial recognition in bars which will tell them who's the next person who should be served. Oh my God. I mean, that is probably a good use of facial (laughs) recognition. Well, I think that's the problem is like with all these new technologies, there's always. So I went to go and see this exhibition when I was on holiday that was about robots. So a lot of it was sort of a little bit scary and it was there was stuff about how even artists might become useless in this new world because we can employ robots to make art and all that kind of stuff. And then you went into another room and there was stuff about kind of how AI could help end-of-life patients and um, people with dementia to have um, if you've always had a dog and it's a really comforting thing for you once you have dementia a lot of times you can't look after a dog anymore because you forget to feed it and you forget to take it on walks Mm. and you just you can't do it anymore and having ai robot dogs is a really comforting for dementia patients and also people like terminal care um, and then there was other stuff about if you've lost limbs, you can, as uh, like a skeletal robots that will be way, way, way better than um, sort of usual prosthetics. Mm, yeah, and so that. there's loads of these ways that AI, you know, I don't want to take AI away from people where it's 
truly making like life better it's one of those subjects like uh, food that you read about uh, in the papers it's almost like shadow boxing and basically one day they'll put a story well let's start with food one day they'll put a story in saying red wine is very bad for you if you drink red wine it's terrible it's very fattening it's very bad and then the next day they'll put in a story saying ah red wine it's full of antioxidants it's actually quite good for you so you don't actually know where to go and it's the same with ai because ai at the moment you get a story about how i saw the robot dog story how that could be help help uh, dementia patients etc and then the next day there'll be uh, a story about how ai facial recognition whatever it's going to strip all your privacy away and it's mm. going to be like living in an orwellian yeah. world and everything and so you really don't know what to think about it i and there's no like truth with it either it's i think it's one of those scary things where we are sort of in a world where there's no like black and whites anymore it's just a lot of gray which is another reason why i think young people are so scared because it's, yeah, it, it's very difficult to form opinions mm. on stuff and the thing is young people these days don't read newspapers that much what they tend to do is read the internet mm. uh, and the internet i know you, I've, I've noticed that you're always coming up when you, when you come up with your stories they're nearly always from the guardian and that's presumably because i look on the guardian because it's free so you won't look on what the telegraph of the times are saying because you've got to pay for that yeah. so you you look at the guardian which means that in a way you're being conditioned but you know you're reading the stuff oh, of the yeah, guardians yeah. you're reading the guardian's attitudes some you know the guardian's attitudes to facial recognition which uh, the guardian being left-leaning is going to be civil liberties it's going to be a very important issue with the guardian yeah. maybe Free less important with some stuff. other yeah. yeah so your attitudes no i think it is bad and i think that um there's always an interesting thing that people say is that you we find most of our information online by typing in what we want to find whereas people used to go to libraries and you can't look for what you want in a library you have to search for it and you end up seeing things that you can mm, basically you, you can only ask for things you already really know like you can only ask questions that you already kind of know the answer to online whereas in a book to, you're opened up to more information and you're not just getting the answers to the questions you want you're also getting new questions well you just said there ruth that uh, nothing's black and white anymore um i'll tell you what is and that's it's a wonderful life that is still <laughs> black and white uh, despite the fact they did try to colorize oh, it i do not trust people's judgment who would choose to watch that version in no, color you could not watch the color colorized version well now it's going to be uh, a musical did you know that uh, because everything that's most musicals now just movies and they mm. turn them into musicals uh, it's a wonderful life is going to be a musical i really feel i really worry that this is going to be horrific uh, despite the fact i love it's a wonderful life and i love paul mccartney who is doing the music ah. for it's uh, it's a wonderful that's life. that's a good choice that's mm. very on on brand yeah it is very I mean? on brand. Like, yes he's a, it's a sentimental sort of movie and he writes sentimental songs so it should it should work perfectly uh, that he's doing this I just hope there's going to be a song called Zuzu's Petals. Mm. I think there has to be a song called Zuzu's Petals. But I was trying to think of an, another possible song that might appear in... Uh, well, there'll be a big end, end number, which will probably be called It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. There'll be one that Clarence the Angel does when he first gets there. There'll be like a little starry song. There'll be a love song when they There'll be one that's called Buffalo 
something when Buffalo, they're walking, well, see, there when they're throwing a, the pebbles mm, at the well, they might actually use a little bit of the sample a bit, because there was a song yeah. called well, Buff, Buff, Buffalo Girls. It was also a punk, you know, Malcolm McLaren, you know, the godfather of punk, mm. um, he did a Buffalo Girls, which actually got in the charts. But I hope it's good there. Yeah, you would like to. You would like to think it would be. Uh, it would be good. What do you want to talk about next? I'm going to give you a frightening uh, glimpse of the future because, oh, yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, Tom Allen, fine comedian, wrote. Uh, I don't find him that funny. Don't you? No. I, I, I like him anyway. He wrote a piece in the uh, Sunday Times. Uh, talking about how he's living with his parents. He's, th- he's 36, as far as I can gather. And he's living with, or at least 34, he's living with his parents. He says, uh, During my 20s, I've been renting various flats with friends while the cost of owning a property spiralled exponentially all around me. Uh, I knew I had to start saving. So shortly after my 30th birthday, I decided to bless my parents by moving back. That was six <laughs> years ago. He's 36. That was six years ago. I'm still there and I'm not the only one. Uh, according to the Office of National Statistics, a quarter of people people aged 20 to 34, that's 3.4 million people, now uh, live with their parents, which is up 1 million from uh, 17 years ago. Uh, he says, he talks about various drawbacks to this, but he says there's the eternal circle of internalised frustration that results in me snapping at them with responses such as, where's my shoe polish? And what do you mean you threw away my Dijon mustard? Which you can imagine Tom Allen saying. But uh, does that frighten you, the fact that uh, you might, you're moving out, obviously, to go to university. Uh, by the time you're 34, which is in 16 years' time, you might be living back well, with your mum at least, even if I'm not around anymore. Um, I guess so, but like, I can see the allure of living with parents because nowhere else is going to be as cheap. No, well, that's what he says. It's obviously much cheaper than renting yeah. flats. And he does help out. It depends with... like whether it works for you or not. I think I would get too frustrated. Because mm, you're an adult, you see, and you'd want all your adult stuff. Although it's much the same as now, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I just... I think if it works for you, then I don't think there should be shame attached to it. No. Because I think there was, wasn't there? Like, And I think it's still, if you were dating someone, you'd be like, oh, gosh, lives with their parents. Weird. Mm. But maybe it'll be just become the norm to mm. live with your parents. Well, in Seinfeld, George Costanza moved back in with his uh, with It does feel like so taking a step backwards for, Nightmare there. for him. And, of course, because that was a 90s thing at Seinfeld, you did have that shame. You know, the fact that he moved back in with oh, his yeah. parents, he couldn't tell anyone. I think you know? he still would have the shame now. Yeah. But and especially, you know, if you've been, like, at university or something for three or four years or whatever, and then you have to move back in with your parents, it does feel like two steps mm. forward, one step back. It does, but although it's it's a shame to waste so much money on uh, on rent. I, I don't think it's a waste though, because you are living there. Mm, That's the thing. Like yeah. people think of rent, you know, like a renting economy and stuff as this terrible, awful thing. But you are living in the place. It's mm. not a complete waste of money. No, I people always see stuff as a waste of money, but you are using the thing. Mm, yeah, you know, like drinks. It, and I think stuff, it's just like, a shame. Oh, it's such a waste to buy that drink but like you are drinking it do you know what i mean like there's a thing of there's a thing of just seeing everything as a waste but that's not really a waste 
No, I think that's a good point, actually, that, that people forget, because a lot of people in, in America and in France for years have um, rented, mm. you, know, re- you know, people, fully fully grown adults and, you know, have rented. I think the, the problem, the main problem these is that rents are so high. Yeah, no, I um, think that rents are too high, but I don't think it's an entire waste of money. You know what I no, mean, though, don't no, you? No, you're, you're living in a place, so, mm. so it's not a waste of money. But I think it's that is, if you're looking at all the stuff that Boris Johnson is promising to do, which is basically everything at the moment um, one of the things they really need to do is sort out the housing it's just market. crazy it is it is crazy boris johnson stuff especially in london crazy yeah oh no just the stuff he's promised like he's just gonna apparently i don't know do some magic or something i don't know Yes, what he is. Thing he's going to imagine he's going to keep people in prison forever. Um, he's going to build more prison places. Um, the health service. Did you see his get... thing? You know, because he cut twenty-two thousand police officers, and then he, well, was, he his, didn't. Uh, the Tories did. I lumped them all in together. Um, the Tories cut twenty-two thousand police officers, no, but then uh, didn't he do that? Or no, was that just no, Theresa May? Was Theresa May did that, and then he said, "I'm bringing back twenty. I'm going to bring twenty thousand police officers." And someone was like, "Yeah, so, so we're still down two thousand yeah, although arguably bringing the number of police officers, I mean, I believe uh, at the time when Theresa May was Home Secretary and did cut the uh, police force or cut the staffing numbers, put it that way, uh, I didn't think it was uh, any big uh, disaster. Yeah, but then, uh, I don't know, it's an easy thing to say that and then the numbers of crimes and stuff went up. Well, again, I'm not saying you know, that it definitely the problem was is that. You're, you're, yeah, the problem is you're on the Guardian all the time. No, so the I'm not saying that that, that was stance. that, but surely it's got some correlation. Uh, yeah, possibly. Because twenty two thousand is a lot. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have cut police at all. What they really need to do is put more money into our youth programmes. Yes, I think the the causes of crime rather than crime itself. Yeah, I think is what they want to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's it? The thing, cause and effect, and all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. That's that's what they want to be doing. Do you have a meme for us? Uh, yes, I think I do. You think you do? No, I, I mean, I do. I just said think, but I do. I just had a f- terrible feeling that I read this last week, but no, I read that one about Schwepter off her feet last week, mm, didn't Schwepter I? Schwepter off her feet, and then you, we did another one, I think. You said it, yeah. the spatula. Yeah, the one with the spatula in we the drawer. The spatula yeah, yeah. And the That's fine. Um, saying James to my mum when I opened the car door so people think it's an Uber. Saying James. Yeah, so this guy is, twi- this is the guy who's posted, his name is James. So you just, you know, walk up to the door and you'd be like, James? Like, taxi for James? But it's just to your mum. Some people think it's an Uber. Is that funny? Yeah. Maybe you don't get Ubers enough. No, I don't. Well, I, I very rarely Because they know Ubers. your name in an Uber. So when you go up to the Uber door, you always just go Ruth. The, you you say you're oh well that's you any, your any, any taxi you say who you are yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean I I only ever would pre book an Uber mm. if I was pre booking well a when taxi. I get in a taxi I say uh, and it's arrived for me I say uh, Martin Ma- no I say Martin Kellner I always, you say your surname as well I say my surname. I say Ma- do you want your identity be, to be stolen <laughs> well I think Martin I, Kellner yes I don't think it's been stolen by uh, taxi drivers but yeah so th- th- that's no you didn't like that no I didn't oh, like that oh I thought that, that was all. very funny did you well there right. you there's no accounting for taste there we have it 
Uh, now, we never gave the uh, email address this week. Because we didn't um, read any emails out? There weren't any. Uh, oh. we, we, we got one or two replies to emails that we read out last week, but I yeah. thought we'd only just, just start a conversation. I protect the purity of this uh, podcast, so I didn't want to make it like a conversation between us. You know, it's supposed to be for the for the world at large. Right. Um, so we didn't have any emails. We didn't have any emails but... at the short, long and short of it. We didn't have any new emails. Um, if you do want to get in touch with them, we do love it and we will read them, obviously. If you do want to get in touch with about anything we've said today or any issues, sort of generation gap issues, we'd love to hear from you. And it's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. That address again? martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. I think it has more heft if it comes from you rather than me. So oh, right, I've said it though. You've said it. That was Martin and Ruth podcast at gmail.com. No, I've said it twice. You've said it twice, so that's perfect. Perfect. While you're uh, online, mm-hmm. if you do want to go yeah. to the Spotify playlist, uh, Spotify, and you can find the songs from this week in full and all the others from all the other weeks, um, you can type in Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad, and you'll find them there. And, uh, and you can listen to the podcast on Spotify. Yes, you can, can't you? Yeah, I, th- How I don't do you do think that? You, you just type in type in Ruthie, me and my dad, and the podcast and the playlist will come up. So if you're already there, yeah, oh, that's an excellent idea. Uh, thank you. You very could much. even oh. have the podcast on, mm-hmm. pause the podcast, listen to the songs in full while while we're talking about the songs, and then go back to the podcast. Wow technology, it's fantastic. And you can even, we can even recognise your face while you're doing that. 